Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on the pod today, big news down there with the Snowball Derby, one of the biggest races of the year. We'll recap kind of a controversial ending to that. And also some new announcements down there in the Truck Series. And an old veteran maybe getting a shot at a brand new type of car. And of course, a big thanks to Bet Online. Make sure to head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50, it's B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your Vegas favorite casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Daytona 500 of late model racing happened this past weekend down there in Pensacola, Florida at Five Flags Speedway Snowball Derby. We had Chandler Smith come out as the winner. And it's typical in this race. I think a lot of people were, had mixed feelings about the way that it ended and kind of the way that it post-script ended in the tech shed with Rookie Brooks. And, and I saw a lot of chatter online and over the weekend and it seems like we talk about this every year with the snowball derby format changes the tech procedures and all this and here's my advice everybody shut up everybody just shut up they do a great job down there ricky brooks the racers want him teching this i think there's a level of respect that goes into ricky brooks teching everything through the tech shed in the room of doom down there there's a level of scrutiny where he's literally going to, you know, auto zone to be able to break down every little part on a race car to make sure it's completely legal because people do cheat, especially in late model racing, especially when you basically are in the Daytona 500 of late model racing. This is the biggest race of the year, most prestigious thing they have. Anybody that's got a problem with a tech procedure that's a fan, what do you have to do with it? You're not down there. You're not trying to put the car back together. Just enjoy the show. And they're going to tell you about six hours later who won the race. And if they were illegal, it goes to the next person and the next. Because Derek Thorne was dominant down there this past weekend. Sat on the pole. Second or third pole in a row. I think it was third. I think so, yeah. I think it was his third pole in a row, RJ. So dominant down there. Led a lot of laps. And Chandler Smith knew this clearly as we're coming to the end of the race and the way that he raced Derek Thorne at the end of the race was 
a little aggressive to say the least. Uh, it didn't look like he was really trying to just race him down into the corner. He just drove in there and hit him, got by him, and Derek Thorne was never able to get back to him, right? So first things first, do I have a problem with the way that Chandler Smith, who admitted afterwards, said, yeah, I knew he was faster than me. I kind of only had one shot at him. I was going to have to race him pretty hard. Okay, so he admits he hits him. He admits he knocks him out of the way. Do I have a problem with it? I don't know. I don't know. Because I actually sit on both sides of this debate. I'm old. I realize that now I turned 35 over the weekend. I think there's a level of racing that I watched when I was young that is different than probably somebody like Chandler Smith has grown up watching and racing like, which is a premium placed on winning the race. At the highest levels of our sport now, winning the race is by far the most important thing. Nothing else matters. Locking yourself into the playoffs, advancing in a round of the playoffs, it's all based around winning. So when it comes to late race scenarios, I think everybody just kind of agrees this is how you're going to race now. And if we think about other sports, how things that happen at the top of the sport eventually trickle down to the lower levels. Well, if we're setting up a playoff system and a point system and a race where winning matters way more than anything else, why, why are we not expecting people to race like this at a lower level? And I'm not trying to dismiss the snowball derby here. It is a crown jewel racing event. Forget levels of the sport, NASCAR versus late model racing versus it. It is a crown jewel race, just like uh, the Chili Bowl next month is going to be a crown jewel, just like uh, the race at Eldora, uh, the big lake, uh, dirt lake model race there at Eldora is a crown jewel, the dream. There are, there are crown jewel races. This is one of them, the Snowball Derby. Everything on the line, we're not worried about points, we're not worried about anything else, it's just winning this race. It's not surprising to me that a young kid, Chandler Smith, who is a really accomplished late model racer, by the way, it's not surprising to me that with a race on the line, he was going to be really aggressive because I think that's the difference between probably people in my generation and a younger generation. And this is, I'm, I'm presenting this with no criticism here to Chandler Smith because he won the race. And I know Derek Dorn's mad about it and I know the crowd booed, but Chandler Smith won the race. So at the end of the day, if you're willing to do it to win the race, you still got the trophy. People like me can sit here and complain about it. But the thing is, I'm not really complaining. And I think anybody that is probably just isn't aware of what's really going on in racing, in stock car racing today. It is a younger generation that has seen a prim, like an absolute premium being placed on winning. And so when it comes down to the end of the race, they're basically being shown up there in NASCAR where we race. You got to, got to do whatever you got to do. And now here's Chandler Smith at the beginning of his racing career, racing for Kyle Busch Motorsports, a championship level truck series team. He goes down to a big race and he didn't even hesitate. He said, well, this is probably going to be my only shot at him. I got to do what I got to do. Would Mark Martin have done that? Probably not. Would Sterling Marlin or some of the guys that I grew up racing, would they have done that? No, probably not. But you know who have we, we have seen do that? 
basically everybody in the playoffs. For the last however many years we've had the playoffs. Chandler Smith is like, what, 20 years old? That's who he's watching. That's what he's watching this play out as he's growing up. So just as my development was similar to watching guys like Kyle Petty and Jeff Gordon and Ricky Rudd and Ernie Irvin and all these guys from the 90s and how they raced, Chandler Smith is watching Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick and all these guys being forced into must-win scenarios like Brad Kozlowski and just get it done by however you got to get it done. Well, that's going to start playing out down there at the Snowball Derby as well. A couple more things about the Derby. Don't complain about the tires. Don't complain about the pit crews. That's not the point of the Snowball Derby. Can everybody just hush? Pit crews didn't have anything to do with this. Having to fly in a cup pit crew and spend $4,000 to get them down there or more just to try to get an advantage on the pit stops for a race that you couldn't even guarantee yourself in and qualifying, that's ridiculous. That had nothing to do with the race. I don't know why any fans would – I get why fans would complain, okay? Fans complain about everything. This just goes back to just an overall, an overall thought that we have on this podcast, which is it sounds like just nobody's ever happy. Is anybody ever happy with racing anymore? Like, that was great racing down there at the Snowball Derby. High tire fall off. Conservation of your tires was so critical that you saw a guy like Carson Hosebar, who didn't even qualify into the race, had to go through the LCQ, replace a motor, drives all the way through the field, winds up finishing seventh. Ryan Priest was coming on late, saving tires. Old, old veteran Ryan Priest, my guy, Finishes fourth in the Snowball Derby. That's a car they started building last month. All of that stuff that we love about the Snowball Derby is just fine. There was a tire shortage down there with Hoosier. Honestly, in a way, I felt like it almost put on a better race. The stage breaks at the 100 lap marks, they don't bother me. I get how that does mess a little bit with the flow of the race. But guess what? We do them all the time up here in the NASCAR world. It's not weird for us to have competition cautions, stage breaks, and everything else. It's saving these people money. What we should have, what is still so important for racing, especially at the grassroots level, is the idea that the local racer can go take his car or her car and go compete for the biggest prize in that discipline. Like late model racing has gotten so, so, so expensive. The cars that race down there at the Snowball Derby are every dollar as expensive as the cars we're racing in the NASCAR world here in the Xfinity series or the truck series, every dollar. Now they're not as expensive to race. Like, trust me, our, our bills on a race weekend cost a little more and our motors cost more, but I promise going down there to the snowball derby is expensive. If you're trying to build a car that can win the race, I am supporting all versions of cost cutting methods, whether that's less tires, no pit stops, breaks, however we got to do it to give more people an opportunity to go down there to Pensacola and have a chance to race for a crown jewel race like that and, and making the rules fair. Like Ricky Brooks basically created the rule book for late model racing right now, the way that it is today, having him down there judging this, all of that is good things. Can we just 
enjoy the race (laughs) because we still got really good drama at the end of the race. But it's like, if we're going to take a look at every single thing and go, well, it's not like NASCAR. Well, it's not, it's not NASCAR. It's something different. And I would say at times it's something probably better down there at that level. And there's a level of competition through the field in that race that it's really hard to match anywhere else. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Congrats to Chandler Smith. Don't listen to the haters. Just a different way of racing now. What do you think, RJ? Yeah, I think uh, you hit it spot on. It's a different way of racing. And I know that the race was very dynamic, and it usually is the Snowball Derby. Like you said, it's a different type of racing. And a lot of people like to jump and make the comparisons. We've talked about this on the show before, NASCAR and F1. People straight jump and compare an F1 at Circuit of the Americas to NASCAR at Kansas Motor Speedway, you know, jumping on those comparisons. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like we're really just enjoying the show that we have, you know, in front of us. You hate it for Derek Thorne, who is, I'm looking at the stats right now. He led, uh, shout out to Joseph Srigley for uh, this stat here. He led 539 of the last 602 laps completed in the Snowball Derby, equivalent to 89.53% of the event's um, last two, and did not get the victory in either one of them. I mean, heartbreaking for Derek Thorne, but like you said, everybody's going for the win. Those laps before don't matter when you get that restart, and like Chandler Smith said, he knew that was his opportunity. We've seen it all the time in NASCAR. We've seen people dump each other for wins. I mean, we saw it a ton this season. It's what the playoffs is all about, getting victories. It's what the season really is all about. It's just getting wins so you can lock yourself in the playoffs and get playoff points. And everybody's going for the checkered flag. They're, they're trophy hunting, and we saw that for sure uh, in the Snowball Derby. And for a guy like Chandler Smith, he's trying to make his bones in NASCAR. He was just down there trophy hunting. Exactly like you say, he's not just a career late model racer. He's trying to dive into the NASCAR world as well. Yeah. All I'm saying is we shouldn't be surprised by this, right? It feels like so many people are like surprised, offended that guys are racing really aggressively at the end of these races. Like I heard Rich Bickle, who I love, we literally did a paint scheme dedicated to Rich Bickle this year uh, on the Martin's Motorsports 44 car at Darlington. Really cool. Love Rich Bickle. And he retired this past weekend. We're losing one of the great ones. Rich Bickle is a racer. He ought to be mentioned in that same vein as all the great racers that we've had. Uh, for the last 50 years. But Rich kind of lamented the way that things are playing out nowadays and the way that people race nowadays. And I would obviously be on Rich's side, right? Because I grew up watching Rich Bickle. That's what I grew up watching. But the racing is different now. And And the thing is, it has been different for the last 10, 15 years that we've put a playoff format into our series at the top levels And so when we see kids 15 to 19 to 23 or whatever, that's what they've grown up watching. So it doesn't surprise me that Chandler Smith races that way, right? I don't think it surprises anybody that's out here doing it every single week. But yeah, old guys like me and Rich Bickle probably look at that and go, well, that's just not how I race. Well, that's how we're racing now. This is what we've created. So it sucks to be a team owner but it's a lot of fun to watch as a race fan. Yeah. And Chandler Smith, a guy who's coming off basically has some of the most momentum coming off the, you know, 2021 Camden road truck series season, just literally a week before this snowball derby announced that he was returning 
to the team full time. And now he goes out and gives himself a, a snowball derby win. He he wanted that win. He wasn't just there to ride around. I mean, the field, you look at the field, so many tough uh, competitors. You mentioned Carson Hosevar having to go through uh, the LCQ, getting the seven. Well, no, and- look, okay, but wait, but wait a second, RJ. Nobody's there to ride around. Nobody. Right? They're all there to win the trophy, right? It's just a question of, are you willing to race somebody like that for a win? Yeah. That's it. That's what we're really talking about. And what I'm saying is a long time ago, that was just Dale Earnhardt, maybe a couple other guys in like a real everything on the line type situation. But we didn't have many of those, right? Dale Earnhardt winning a race. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. You want a race, but it was really just X amount of points and it was a season long championship. And eventually the best driver came out on top at the end of the year when we added up all the points. Yeah. Well, now we are creating every single year, every end of the race is important. Yeah. It could be your ticket to the playoffs. It could be your ticket to the next round. So we're just seeing this like Hail Mary aspect of this that only probably came into effect a few times in the 90s, right? I mean, most of the points championships were sewed up before we even got to the last race. Well, now we're seeing it all the time. It's happening all the time. Like the chase started in 2006, I think. Yeah. A version of it anyway, when Kurt Busch won it. So we've had this for a long time. Chandler Smith is like 19. He hasn't grown up watching anything else except this. Whereas it's like still a little weird to me. So nobody in that situation is showing up just to, oh, they're just kind of riding around. It's just a difference in are you willing to do it that way or are you not? Used to be nobody was willing to do it that way. Now I think it's just become acceptable that everybody is willing to do it that way. And Old guys like me can complain and bitch about it, but I don't think it's going away. It's not changing. The points format, we're not going back the way that we used to do things. This is the way that things are now. And I think when we watch a result like that play out at a crown jewel event, to me, it's just, it's not surprising, right? I'm taking myself away from like, oh, what would I do in that scenario and all that, whatever. I mean, it's a big trophy on the line, right? You're going to go for it. I just don't think we should be yelling and lamenting the the racing of the youngsters and all this. It's like, this is just what it is now. It's going to be like this. Let's all just get adjusted. That'll lead us right into the NASCAR report. We had some headlines come out this weekend. We're going to stay kind of in the truck series realm as we were just talking about Chandler Smith. We got some pretty surprising news, some pretty great news, I feel like, though. We're going to kick it off with uh, the news with Timmy Hill, Hill Motorsports. He announced his team will go to two full-time teams in the Camping World Truck Series in 2022, and we don't know what the other team will look like, but we know Timmy Hill will be running full-time in the number 56. So Timmy Hill will get a full season in a truck, a Toyota Tundra. Um, that has been very competitive at times. He's gotten some great finishes. I mean, Tyler Hill's got some great finishes that this year in that truck too. Almost uh, won a race. Yeah. He almost won a race at Talladega, the demolition derby that that was, he almost was there <laughs> I, and he still tore up his truck. The, the, ta- the Tate Fogelman, Tyler Hill <laughs> battle that everybody came to see. God, that everyone came to see, but now we have Timmy Hill, who's going to be going full-time in his own truck in the 56. 
which I think is really cool. Oh, well, it shows that they're building this thing up, right? Um, <laughs> congrats to Timmy here, but it sounds like that's what everybody is doing around here nowadays. It yep. feels like you're not hearing any news of teams closing down. Teams are only expanding over here in Mooresville, North Carolina, right about now. But I'm really happy for Timmy. Truly one of the nice guys in NASCAR and his brother, the same way, racing family. Their dad raced. They're racing. They're building this up. I think the truck series is a good home for him. Timmy's told me about what he's done with that truck team, the equipment that he's got. They got good stuff. They feel like they can go out and race for top 15s and top 10s in that series. Uh, Timmy looks around in that series and goes, why can't I be Matt Crafton? Yeah. Like he really believes that. And, and by the way, I don't think he's like too crazy far off and, and all due respect for Matt Crafton. What we're meaning by that is just being a veteran. You're racing against a bunch of young guys and girls all the time, a bunch of inexperienced drivers, Timmy, very experienced so he feels like when he gets in the truck down there in that series, he's got an advantage. And he's trying to pass that on to Tyler. I feel like Tyler has developed a lot here in just a year. I see them being a competitive team. Uh, are the, the, the field is so deep, RJ. It's hard to kind of handicap that. But yeah. I see them probably being a top 25 team with both teams. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you look at a guy like Timmy Hill, who is kind of who's raced a lot. You know, in his career at NASCAR, he's bounced around every series, running trucks, running Xfinity, running in the Cup Series. And now, you know, with this announcement that he's running full time in the Truck Series, I mean, you look at how wild the Truck Series. We talk about how deep that field is, but how wild it was last year. I mean, I'm I'm just imagining a, a Darlington night race, uh, Timmy Hill top five at a Darlington night race where either, hey, he drives his way up there or you just keep the truck clean enough at the end to where you might be one of the only 10 trucks left. So I don't know. Or I think Martinsville, very another, another top 10, right? I mean, it's just yeah. the way those – the truck series is by far the most unpredictable series oh, in NASCAR. It is completely unpredictable. Um, you, you just don't know. Uh, our series in Xfinity, you kind of know who the front teams are. And, yeah, there is a lot of action going on throughout the field. And, and the racing is great because the cars race so good. If you just want to see absolute, just true, nobody knows what's going on, watch the NASCAR Truck Series. <laughs> You're going to get more surprises down there than anything. And Timmy knows that, too. That's why he looks at it and goes, hey, could I maybe sneak up and win one of these things? Because if in a 22-race schedule, RJ, down there in the Truck Series, we already know that four or five of those are just going to be like a – Complete wild card. What the heck happened? Timmy feels like he's a good enough driver and he's got good enough equipment that if he just has a shot at one of those things, he could probably get it done. He really believes that. And I believe it too. I absolutely would put them right there in that same group with like Austin Wayne self over there at AM racing, kind of that next group behind the teams that you see at the front of the grid. That's a solid B team that he's built up over there. And, and Timmy's a really good veteran driver. I, I like what they're building. Yeah, and one of the teams that are building a program is Nice Motorsports in the Truck Series. They kind of announced uh, their final piece to their four-driver lineup. Uh, Chris Wright, who was on this show before, 
had a schedule last year with Young's Motorsports and ran for Sam Hunt Racing in the Xfinity Series. We know he was seasoned as a road course driver and now has been kind of getting himself in the NASCAR the last few years and now is set for a full season with Nice Motorsports. And he joins Lawless Allen, Carson Hosevar just ran the Snowball Derby, finishing seventh, and Dean Thompson, Thompson coming from the ARCA West Series on that team. So a relatively young team for Nice Motorsports, a lot of guys that have just been kind of running partial schedules last few seasons besides Carson Hosevar, who was their kind of established driver last year, but really just a brand new look for Nice Motorsports this season, four full-time drivers, and one of them is going to be Chris Wright. Yeah, um, look, this is no disrespect to anybody on that team, but when I see that lineup, I just go get the body hangers ready, right? Because (laughs) you're talking about some drivers that are really young and are going to be learning on the job in good trucks. And that just naturally, that's what's going to happen, right? We saw Lawless Allen have a good run at Darlington uh, in that fall race last year. I like what I've seen from him. Chris Wright, I've seen him run in the top 15 in Sam Hunt's car out here in the Xfinity series, right? I've seen this stuff happen. It's just right now, I think about that like like pitchers that have a fastball and they got to learn how to pitch. And you're going to do that in the truck series. Just get ready because you're racing against a bunch of other people that are the same way, right? It's a development series. That is how it is seen. And that middle of the pack that they're racing in, it's going to have a lot of other people like that driving in it. So that's a tough lineup in in a tough series, right? That's why I put a value on somebody like Timmy Hill that we were talking about earlier. I think truck-wise, comparable. And I just got to give the kind of the nod to the experience level of somebody like Timmy Hill over that lineup there, which is just a lot more younger drivers, but can Chris Wright get it done? Yeah, I believe he can. He just, he's got to learn how to pitch the fastballs there. He's just got to learn how to race these type of cars. And he's going to get a little bit more experience with that down there in the truck series. Yeah. You think someone like Timmy Hill, who obviously is very well experienced and also knows, you know, how to keep a truck clean as well. Like, you know, we look at him as a guy who's an owner who's raced for small teams, basically his entire career. Um, You know, when we talk about someone like BJ McLeod, you know, on the podcast who, you know, very, you know, emphasizes keeping a clean race car or race truck. Uh, I feel like Timmy Hill is that way. And now is like, especially the past few years being in that 56 truck, which has been very competitive at times, He's been able to balance, you know, all right, being competitive, but also being conservative during the race. So you're not tearing up your stuff. And I think that's to your point, why they can be very successful next year for sure. And that's why you question uh, the Nice lineup a little bit. Yeah. I just think they need like one more veteran, right? But this is a sponsorship dependent business. Chris Wright has got a lot of sponsorship. That means he gets to kind of make the call on where to go. And if he was looking for a full-time deal down there in the truck series here's what we know this time of year a lot of those deals are done they're already done so he finds a home in nice motorsports and that's a good truck we saw what carson ozovar was able to do in that truck last year i think it's going to wind up being a pretty good fit for him it's just when i look at the depth of the lineup there you know i just i'm just sitting here going all right young 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 oh boy (laughs) We're gonna be we're gonna be putting some uh, put some stress on the fabrication shop for sure. Yeah, uh, we and this kind of is sort of capping off like the recent wave of truck series news. Like this is these were kind of the last few rides that needed to be 
uh, filled up. You know, some are like unconfirmed, some are kind of rumored, but uh, a lot of the truck series rides, I mean, we're in December and I feel like just in years past, I mean, we talk about this all the time, how it gets earlier and earlier that year uh, that rides start to fill up, especially with the free agent pool we still have. I mean, we're talking about the truck series pretty much. I'd say 95% full going and we're only in December, beginning of December. Yeah. And in the same thing that I mentioned earlier with Timmy's team expanding, here's nice expanding teams are only getting bigger. Like it feels like the sponsorship. It's a good time right now. Young drivers that are coming in that have some funding. There tend to be more of them that are looking for experience at the lower level. So that's why you're seeing so many teams growing right now. Um, we worried about, oh, man, Cup Series, going to a new car, going to be layoffs. Uh, trust me, there, there are teams that are looking to hire people, and they're going to be looking to hire more here in the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. And just the kind of the last point on the Truck Series, there's really only a few teams. We know there's two Thor Sport trucks that uh, need to be confirmed to be fill out. Will they be Christian Eckes, likely one of the drivers? Could it be Ty Majeski in, in one of those seats? We know that GMS Racing kind of confirmed that they will only be running two trucks next year. So that eliminates all the other options for GMS. Uh, what is Young's Motorsports going to look like? Because they have lost their two drivers, basically Tate Fogelman going to On Point Motorsports and now Chris Wright going over uh, to Nice Motorsports. They're left with uh, two open seats if they plan to continue for next year. Um, and that's a really good point right there because that, I mean, I think, there were probably some people over there at Tyler Young's that were expecting that Chris Wright deal to be there for yeah. them. And now it's not. And, and that does leave some questions over there. Yeah. You got the, the Rackley war team, which was kind of a GMS affiliate. Uh, what will they do with their drive next year? They start out with Timothy Peters, then kind of ran toward the end of the season with like a mix of Willie Allen, Josh Berry, some other drivers, Brett Holmes team. Does he stay up there? Uh, Reumbro's racing. What do they do? That's really it in the truck series and, you know, don't even get us right. started on what's left in the Xfinity series um, for, for next year. So going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. Right. We'll cover that a little bit later this week. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. They use cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, and they have cracked the science of the sparkle, creating the highest quality lab grown diamond you can find at the light price. 800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup and natural diamonds, but they're grown in a lab. Just because they're processed, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they're never going to want to take off, and they're priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So before we wrap up here on this episode, it was a very special day on December 7th of 2021. Tommy Joe, you uh, you turned 35, 35 years young um, going into this season. I don't know how you <laughs> feel about that. I know you said you I, I think didn't you say on Twitter you said you were halfway to 70. So it's like a stage break, huh? Yeah, uh, 35 is a big number. <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's weirder talking to my sister. Um about this because she was like, yeah, you know, I'll be, I'll be 30 at the end of the, at this time next year. And I was like, Oh God. <laughs> and so it starts putting things into perspective, but just want to thank everybody for the birthday wishes on social media and Twitter and texts and calls and all that. Uh, 
lot, lot, lot to be thankful for. Um, this is that time of the year, right? Where we all start thinking about what all we have to be thankful for. And I have just so very much, um, 35 years old. It, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's still weird saying it out loud, RJ, but I guess I'll, I'll get used to it, but I, I appreciate uh, doing this podcast with you and, uh, hopefully, uh, the 35th year on the, the globe here, we'll, we'll get it dialed in here on the podcast a little bit better. <laughs> for sure. Another, another awesome year. So again, thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody for wishing Tommy Joe, great, happy birthday. And like, thank our partners as well, bet online Lightbox, And of course the believe podcasting network. And we will see you all the next time around. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.